Community pharmacists already take referrals from a range of minor conditions such as diarrhoea, vomiting and conjunctivitis. But with our pharmacy first approach, we can go further still. We will invest up to £645 million over the next two years so pharmacists can supply prescription-only medicines for common conditions like ear pain, UTIs and sore throats without requiring a prescription from a GP. One of the most significant that was Health and Social Care Secretary Steve Barclay on the floor of the House of Commons a few weeks ago. As MPs nodded their heads, the Health Secretary promised hundreds of millions of pounds of investment in pharmacy that included money for a new Pharmacy First scheme in England by the end of 2023. But why has it taken so long to get a Pharmacy First service off the ground? And why are some academics warning it could worsen antibiotic resistance? For this month's Spotlight episode, I'm joined by my investigations editor, Carolyn Whitware. Hello. First off, why has it taken so long to get this service off the ground? That's a good question, Nigel. There's been top-level political support for Pharmacy First for a while now. In October 2021, then-Health Secretary Saji Javid said in an article in the Daily Mail that he'd instructed his ministers to discuss the service with NHS England. And then what happened? Well, nothing concrete. It kept on being mentioned by ministers, but there was quite a bit of chaos in the government. The health secretary changed four times, and I think there were five different ministers in charge of pharmacy that year. Five? Goodness. Yeah. So it's not surprising that discussions didn't progress. The next sticking point was money. Pharmacy negotiators are reluctant to agree to anything without additional funding. And this time it's paid off because the government has said they'll give community pharmacy $645 million over two years. This is the first time they've been given additional money outside the contract in a decade. Yes, that's a significant achievement, isn't it? Definitely. But even still, that money isn't just for the Pharmacy First service. Some of it will also fund the blood pressure check service and the contraception monitoring service as well. Also, precisely how much pharmacists will be paid for the service is still under negotiation. And how is this different from Pharmacy First in other areas of the UK? Mostly, it's very similar to the Pharmacy First service in Scotland in that patients will be able to visit their local pharmacy with a minor ailment and the pharmacist will be able to supply a prescription-only treatment using a patient group direction. The main significant difference is a shorter list of ailments for which pharmacists can supply a medicine. In Scotland, there's a list of 26 conditions including eczema, cold sores, threadworms and verrucas, things like that, that pharmacists can supply medicines for. In England, there are only seven conditions, sinusitis, sore throat, earache, infected insect bite, impetigo, shingles, and uncomplicated urinary tract infections in women. And what happens in Wales? In Wales, pharmacists can sign up to offer an independent prescribing service, which is quite different from the service in England. There, they can prescribe from the formulary set by their local health board for a range of listed conditions like hay fever, athlete's foot, and eye infections. So Steve Barclay said in the House of Commons that this would free up 10 million GP appointments. Is that uh, realistic? It's not really clear how the government got to that number. And some of those freed up appointments will also be from the pharmacy blood pressure check service and contraception monitoring service as well. But yes, there is some evidence that it will free up GP appointments. In 2021, a survey of the precursor to Pharmacy First in Scotland found that more than half of patients said they would have gone to their GP had the service not been available in pharmacies. And 85% said they didn't need to access further care from the NHS for the ailment that they first went to the pharmacy for help with. 
that hopefully means pharmacists are able to resolve many minor ailments without adding demand to other parts of the health service. Although that data is quite old and it was quite a small survey. Okay, but community pharmacy we know is under a lot of pressure at the moment. So how how is the sector going to take on all this extra work? We don't know. There are some plans in the works to free up pharmacist time. The government has said that it's planning to allow pharmacy technicians to supply medicines under patient group directions, which might help. And there are plans to widen pharmacy hub and spoke arrangements so that pharmacists won't need to spend as much time dispensing and can focus more on clinical services. Although there is some evidence from other countries that have used this model that it won't actually free up that much time. And how does this all work with CPCS, which is the current consultation service that the NHS funds in community pharmacy? That I don't know. But the delivery plan says NHS England wants to build on the success of CPCS. But what that will look like, I'm not sure. Another unknown. So uh, some critics said that there would be an increase in my antimicrobial resistance as a result of this service, or there could be. How uh, is that? Is there any evidence for that? Uh, a group of infectious disease experts have written to the prime minister warning that the service could lead to unintended consequences like increasing antibiotic resistance and called for widespread use of point of care testing. I haven't seen any evidence that Pharmacy First would increase antibiotic resistance but the National Institute for Health and Care Research has actually issued a call for research to look into this. And this is expected to report before the service begins. But surely there must be some evidence from Wales and Scotland. Well, in Wales, researchers did find that the rate of antibiotic supply for sore throats more than doubled during the peak of the COVID-19 pandemic, when pharmacists were consulting with patients remotely and not using point-of-care testing before prescribing. But of course, that's all been reversed now. So obviously this this new service is all about PGDs, but uh, there is a prescribing service for community pharmacy in the works, isn't there? Yes, there is. Although that is in the very early stages. It will run alongside Pharmacy First, albeit as a locally commissioned service rather than a national one. Yeah, we, we probably don't have time to run into the details of that particular service, but we will put some links in the show notes on the latest regarding that. So moving to what has to be a key issue, but will community pharmacy get access to records? Yet another unknown. Um, Last year, the government promised to give pharmacies seamless access to patient records by 2025. But with pharmacy first rolling out before then, they'll have to move quicker than that. Seamless, goodness. Yes. The government has said that part of the extra funding promised to community pharmacies will be invested in what they call interoperable digital solutions. And NHS England is working with pharmacy IT system suppliers to provide pharmacists with additional access to clinical information from the GP record and a way for GP patient records to be updated by pharmacists after a consultation. Pharmacists have been calling for access to GP records for a long time. Maybe this additional funding and the renewed need for it we'll see this become a reality sooner rather than later. Although, of course, uh, the big problem is we might have a new government next year. So could these plans all change again? Well, this could also fit with Labour's plans for the NHS. I was at a press conference with the Shadow Health Secretary, Wes Streeting, in April, and I asked him what his plans were to expand pharmacy services. He didn't offer much detail, but he said that there's a lot more that pharmacists can do in terms of being the first port of call for people needing to access healthcare, and that would fit with Pharmacy First. 
He also said he'd been speaking to pharmacists about ways a labor government can expand the range of support pharmacists are able to provide and that he recognized that pharmacists have a role to play in reducing GP workload. All very familiar themes from the current government's delivery plan. So I think there's some cross-government agreement on the level of service pharmacists can offer. Okay, so it seems that there's a lot of issues to work out over the next few months, and I'm sure we'll be covering all of that in a lot of detail in the PJ. Yes, stay tuned for that. It's going to be an interesting few months for community pharmacy. Thank you, Carolyn, for that quick update. Um, Yeah, I'm sure you'll be back on the pod very soon updating us. As ever, if any of our listeners want to get in touch on social media, please use the hashtag BJPod or email us at editor at pharmaceutical-journal.com. Until next time, bye-bye. Bye.